0: Welcome to the Crawling Around My Brain podcast. I'm your host, Graeme Brown. I know it's been a hot minute since we've connected, but I'm really excited to have you all back this week. I have a great guest, Mike Lemieux from Full Circle Homes and also one of the stars from Houses with History on HGTV. It was a real thrill for me to sit down and talk to Mike about home restoration, his process, and what the Full Circle team has in store moving forward. I would also be remiss if I didn't give a shout-out to my producer and creator of my intro song, Lucas Brown. So really appreciate his assistance in making this pod all that it can be. And last but not least, big shout out to my Australian fans. Again, I know there's been a slight delay since our last pod, but thanks for all sticking around and we'll have some more great content coming to you regularly from here on out. So with that, let's dive right in with Mike Lemieux of HGTV's Houses with History and Full Circle Homes. I have the distinct pleasure of being with Mr. Mike Lemieux of Full Circle Homes and also one of the stars of the hit HGTV show Houses with History. Mike, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you very much, Graham. Glad to be here.
0: I'm so excited to talk to you. It's very unusual. I'm sure you get this a lot, but I feel like I've watched so much. Television with you in it, you're like part of the family, even though we've obviously never met. So uh, <laughs> I feel very comfortable talking to you. Um, so just really exciting personally for me to have you on the pod. And I know that you you're involved in a lot of stuff. So you are one of the owners of Full Circle Homes, which provides renovation, design, real estate services. Uh, As previously correct. previously mentioned, you were the star of the two seasons of the of the hit show Houses with History. Yep. And you also own, uh, Mayflower Mercantile in Plimpton, Massachusetts. So my first question for you is what do you do with all your free time?
1: <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's a very common question. Um, and, and it's usually always tongue in cheek. So thank you for keeping it consistent. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it's interesting. Jen and I both really like to work a lot, I think at our core just cause we're kind of both curious people. Um, So we always get interested in many different things. And even in our spare time, a lot of the times we were going around looking at houses, looking at real estate, looking through antique shops, just kind of finding those celebratory pieces of Americana that we're interested in. So this, what we do that people see on the show and what we do through our construction business, and then... Mayflower Mercantile, our um, historic recreation of a general store, really brings all of those passions together, um, you know, outside of the show and and those passions when we have time, you know, Jen is big into animals, um, I call her the animal whisperer, she has a couple of horses <laughs> and, and chickens and we have a golden retriever, and then I'm big into motorcycles. And, uh, you know, we like to go out on Sunday morning for a cruise and get breakfast and, and hit the dirt bikes and go through the trails when we have time. So, um, so we still do, we're busy, but we try to make time to enjoy everything too.
0: That's amazing. Uh, I can't believe you have more time to do even more things, Um, but that's, that's really impressive. I mean, I think, you know, some of these questions I have just that were, I was thinking about what I wanted to ask you about. And I think really what comes through is your passion for these things, right? I think that's what makes the show so fun to watch as a viewer is that you can tell you're really invested in what you're doing and that you really love what you're doing. And so I I imagine even though it seems like work, that love kind of can help you get through some of those, those long days, your interest in what you're doing. So I can definitely feel that as a viewer, but I will say, just doing some research and hearing you talk about this, so keep me honest here. But it sounds like you did for the TV show. You did fourteen houses for that show, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of end end to end. Uh, yeah. Some in some in worse shape than others, uh, oh, yeah. and then it also. Uh, I believe I heard that you've done over fifty full remodels, including twelve in Plimpton. So it's not necessarily a question, but just. Just kind of an amazing amount of of work done. How long over the course of how much time is that for for this for you guys? How long have you been doing these renovations and restorations?
1: Yeah, uh, no, it's a, it's a great question, and sometimes it's daunting to to me to think about it, and and I know it is for Jen too. I'm more of what I would call the instigator. Um, so you know, Jenny instigates things in her own way. But when it comes to a lot of these old houses, I'm usually the one walking into the front yard, knocking on the door, trying to find the owner, talking to the people. I mean, we were coming back from a client meeting yesterday, randomly just happened to be going down this road of a house I've had my eyes on for quite a while that has an amazing lineage to it. Um, And it's been sitting there vacant. And of course, there's all this construction equipment and antique trucks in the yard and everything. And I see for the first time, a gentleman and a woman in a truck cutting the lawn so i said to jen hey wait a minute let's whip around and we spin the truck around and i jump out and of course she gives me the eye roll and she's like okay i know what's gonna happen and i, I walk over and start talking to this couple i'm like hey what's going on guys my name's mike you know what's right. the story on the house and i get the oh it's 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 unsavable you can't do anything with it don't even bother and i'm like well, you know, who made that decision? That's like music to your ears. That's right. And like a half hour later, I've got them both smiling. And I'm like, so we should talk about this more, right? Right. Um, (laughs) And it it just becomes one of these things where it just kind of feeds our addiction, really what we do. Mm -hmm. And you do one and then you start doing another and then you start doing another. and, And what we have done is tried to cultivate the business around it. So we've made a process and tried to make it more of a well-oiled machine. And by doing that, it allows us to restore more homes and then allow more people to enjoy that housing stock and be part of it and be part of that lineage and that story. So this has all evolved over the last, you know, 10 to 12 years. And typically we were always having one or two houses going on simultaneously. Um, and then when the show came along, that really forced us kind of to innovate and ramp up even more. Right. right so we right. were doing one or two houses a year. Jen and I were both working full time corporate jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was kind of when people mention a side hustle, this was really kind of like a full time side hustle. Right. And, um, you know, a lot of sweat equity. We're going in. We're doing a lot of the work. Um And then when the show came to us, it was kind of funny because they said, well, how many do you think you could do, you know, during the course of a year? Could you do four? Could you do five? Could you do six? And we're like, well, yeah, we could probably do six. And then we'd look at a house and they'd say, well, can you do this house in 21 weeks? And I was like, sure. You know, just looking at it, thinking that's that's a challenge. But, you know, and then, well, could you do this one in 18 weeks and could you do this one in 20 weeks? And we're like, "Okay." And then you know, we agreed and signed on for six for season one. And they said, great. Okay. Um, so we're going to do all of these contiguously over a 26 week shoot schedule. Right. And, and, and my that's, I'm a pretty calm person, but I think Jen yeah. almost had a meltdown and my head almost exploded right. um, because they said, and we're going to do the absolute worst houses that we can find. So there's a ton of story to them. And we just said, great what did just sign <laughs> up for um, and it well, was one of those things you got to be ready to not be ready so the right. first time the audience saw it was the first time we saw it too so
0: oh amazing that's so yeah. cool yeah, yeah. it's uh, that some of the reactions seem genuine when you're looking at uh you know how it looks <laughs> like it's in complete disrepair um, it was. Yeah. but so yeah that's amazing and you know I know there's some TV magic here, obviously, but it looks like you're very hands on in, in a lot of the remodels, you know, oh, yeah. um, like you're you're in the crawl space underneath uh, when Rich found the guns and you're, yeah. you know, you're doing a lot of you're doing a lot of a lot of stuff. Uh, so I imagine that's that's true. And I guess that's probably how you maintain the quality control when you're doing that many homes. Right. Is that you've got to be on site a lot yourself, making sure everything's being done the, the right way.
1: Well, that that was the thing, and and for us, it's it's a real it's a it's a it's a tricky balancing act. But right. you just have to, like I said, you have to be ready to not be ready. Um, you know, Jen and I both decided going into doing this, um, we needed to exercise a certain amount of control, not only to try to keep costs in check, because right. as everybody knows, nothing's inexpensive right now. Right. Um, and we were going through the depths of COVID, so we had to think about ordering at one point um, windows were taking 36 weeks mm. um, and you can't make a 26 week film schedule with windows taking 36 right. weeks. So, yep. so there's a lot of prep that has to go into it. And, and then like you just said, Graham, trying to maintain the quality control, right? Mm-hmm. The um, you know, we really had to say, do we have the skill set and the people around us that we could outsource some of this? And and what even the production crew, to their credit, had said, you'll have to find a way to replicate yourselves and bring somebody else in to do a lot of the work. And what we then said to them was that might be possible in brand new construction, but in historic renovation and, and recreation, it's almost impossible because we we do, which a lot of people don't realize, we do new homes as well but it's very easy to go from doing an old home to doing a new home cuz it's almost like r- relaxing <laughs> right right but to go from a new home to doing an old home is a completely different skill set so yeah um, yeah we're in there i'm i'm project managing i'm doing everything i can to help any of the guys all day long um Jen's doing the design work. These are all ideas coming out of her head. We have a design team that's that's helping us, all of our own employees, um, you know, doing the drawing, doing the drafting, everything from STEM to Stern. And then whether it's putting in cabinets or anything, I'm right there to help. I'm doing everything I possibly can.
0: Well, you mentioned the budget. And I have to say, I've watched a lot of house shows. Like, I watched a lot of sports. I watch a lot of house-type related shows. My wife and I were always astonished when the budget came out. I felt like it was the best deal in town. I'd be <laughs> like, this is definitely going to be $350,000. Yep. And you'd be like, $70,000. i would be like, yep. oh, that's unbelievable. How are they doing this? Now, yep. And I know you just mentioned a couple of things that help you keep the, uh, the prices down, the cost down, yep. being involved, obviously. And then the second piece, I know that. So one of the characters in the show is his barn, right? And it's always... Yep. Jen is always sending you guys into the barn to go find something, which I think is yeah. pretty funny. And I was looking at your website and I noted that um, it says, please don't send us more stuff for yeah. the barn. So I was wondering, have, have you just did you just get a lot of random stuff that people would send to you, like artifacts well, you from their own home?
1: Yeah, it's, it's really funny. We get calls every single day. And and I love it, honestly, because you want to like talk to everybody and you want to go through every single item and you want to hear every story right. and we get really exhausted and overwhelmed sometimes. Right. Um, but yeah, we've had a lot of people donate furniture, a lot of people asking to buy. And then, you know, we've had to do furniture sales and and we do our vintage fair uh, Mayflower Market Days annually to try to offload some of this. Right. Um, but we use a lot of it for staging items. Um, But we got to the point where we're kind of bursting at the seams. And I just said, you know, uh, move it, sell it or, or lose it. Right. And, and it's one of these things where, you know, if we're going to move it, it's okay, let's move it and put it into a house. If we're going to sell it, let's put it up for sale. If we're going to lose it, well, you know, that piece is just going to go somewhere else. So and, I, uh, I have to
0: tell you, I mean, you find some gems because growing up, I'm, I told you before we started recording, I'm from Connecticut and I actually spent a lot of my summers in Maine. So I drove through New yeah. England basically like oh, every yeah. other weekend. There was a lot of antiques out and you know, my parents weren't huge antiquers, but when I would go, I was like, man, how could you find, even as an adult, I, I don't have either it's the patience or the design eye, but like a lot of the stuff that you guys find that I probably would not have imagined would look great in a new bathroom. Yeah. Um, you know, like some of the, like um, I don't know, maybe desks or tables that you put a sink in, you turn it yep. into a fixture, like all that stuff looks great. And that's the other piece uh, as a compliment to you. It's, I think it's rare when you, as a viewer watch a show or even when you're just in your private life, trying to find a, a, a combination of someone that can do a restoration and design that you yep. like both, aesthetics you know what i mean like yeah. sometimes you're like oh i really love what they do with this house but like man what they put on the inside of it like i don't know what's going on but in your case the way that the house designs are done um maintaining like the historical feel and all of that and then also the design on top of it 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 both it works both ways so that also uh is refreshing to see which leads me to this question are the items in the houses at the end, is that just staged with your stuff or is it like an option for people if they were going to buy a home that you would actually put those items into the house? Like, can you do that? If someone's working with you, will you do the whole kit and caboodle?
1: Yeah, that's no, that's a great question. I mean, well, first, if we back up for a second, you know, when you, when you talk about, um, TV magic, um, there is a little magic that goes on, especially with the budgets. We, we, reveal i think certain elements of what everything costs but then certain elements you know we do hedge a bit because you know every every homeowner wants to have a certain amount of discretion and and we try to allow them to have that so got it
0: okay uh, that makes sense we try
1: to be as absolutely realistic as we can be but you know especially in the current environment that we've been a, a lot of the budgets you know get bigger We're than blown. yeah yeah right. exactly right um, that makes sense and, and, and it's just the way it works. But to that point, we try to be really creative when it comes to staging and designing the houses. And so, you know, it's kind of a two pronged approach. And and I got to give Jen a lot of credit for her ability to find pieces and put them into places that you wouldn't normally think of and make it feel like that's the way it's supposed to be. Um, yeah, yeah what we always said when we started doing houses originally and started focusing on these historic homes is we wanted to take all the old house problems out of an old house. So you want the buyer to walk in and just feel like this is it. This is home. This is exactly where I'm supposed to be. You right. don't want them to feel like you just said, oh, I like how they built this, but this design is weird,
0: right? right?
1: right. <laughs> because it turns them off. You, right. Of course. You, you want to You want to allow them to have their own interpretation, but to enjoy the home. And I think Jen has a real good way of, you know, finding all these little teeny details that kind of elevate the story of the home. And it's not necessarily speaking to us. It's not saying, Oh, we did this, but it's, it's a way to marry the story of the house with the story of our own mission to preserve that house. And then, put our little spin on it that makes it feel like it's always been that way. You know, we have a lot of times you get a purist that says you're working on a 1700s house. Well, that element you put in is not 1700s. And we'll say, well, what about the last 300 years of history? Do you want me to dismiss all of that to pick one period? Right. Um, so you really get this huge opportunity to explore all those different periods, all the different owners, and then made all that with modern technology, like plumbing and electrical and installation, you know, it's right. Uh, yeah. It's the best it's, in world.
0: I heard you talk about that. Um, how you, how you said that sometimes you'll zoom in on like a particular feature, almost like an archeologist probably would. Yeah. Right. And right. then from that, you know, you kind of craft this kind of story in this image. Uh, and, and so it's almost like, then you kind of pan out or zoom yeah. out uh, and kind of fill the rest of the details in. And I think it's, really just, you know, beautifully and artfully done. And I'm not a house historian. So I I wouldn't know if you put something in that was 50 years after the fact, but I see the time and, you know, kind of the the care that's going into it comes across, even if it's edited down from however long it took you to do the house. I mean, it it really comes through. I think one thing I was going to ask you is, so there's a couple different scenarios, right? There's some where you go look at houses and then you say, we're looking at these two and you wind up picking one and you work on it. And it seems like in some instances you're buying the house for yourself to keep yep. and then in others you're working with maybe a couple or someone else who's bought the house and you're restoring it. So I was going to ask you how many people say, "Oh, I want a historical house." And then you guys go with them and start pointing out some of the opportunities that, that you know to be worked on and they're like, "You know what? Actually, uh, I am probably good with this." Like <laughs> or how many how many people are just absolutely terrified when you start talking about um, how you mentioned some like beetle that was like in the wood in the basement or, you know, like the fact that it's a stone foundation or something like, are people, are people like in love with the idea until they realize what it's going to take? Or is it really not? Is it really more like you explain that it's things that can be done and you really simplify the process for them?
1: Yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of a, that's a multi-part question. I mean, so how Jen and I really started doing this was we, you know we're looking for ways to invest in real estate and we realized we both had a passion for for historic properties and at the time we were investing in small multi-families and single family homes and and this is it's funny to say this now but 2015 16 and the prices had started to rise from what they were and we said oh we're getting priced out of that market let's look at something else and we started Looking at these historic properties that were just sitting derelict and nobody wanted to take them on for the exact reasons that you're saying—it scared them. It got too, and we started looking at it and saying, "Oh well, this is like—it's not that it's easy, but we understand how to do it, and we're passionate and crazy enough to do it." Right. And so we really started doing this, just buying our own houses, renovating them, and we'd keep one and we'd sell one. Right. And, and that would give us cash to do the next one. So then what really happened in doing that? We built up this core of expertise where people then started coming to us and say, you know, I bought this historic home. I really want to fix it, but I don't know how to. Can you help me? Right. Or I'm thinking of buying a historic home. Can you help me renovate it? Or I want to buy one, but I want to buy one that's done. Can you keep me on your list for the next one that you do? So it became this combination right? and what I find more than anything, what we've started to do for people now is we actually provide consultation services and they'll hire us to come through and get, do a walkthrough to kind of set their mind at ease. And it really helps them build the scope. And we kind of come up with a roadmap for them of how to restore it. Because the alternative to that, a lot of people just fall in love with a historic home. They buy it. And then they say, okay, well, now we want to do this, this, and this. And then they'll bring us in and we say, okay, that's fine, but it's going to cost you $400,000 to do all of that. And they say, oh God, what did I just do? Right, uh, right.
0: <laughs> well, I was wondering I was wondering if you, in a way, I was like, man, uh, I know these houses were renovated previously. And I know that there's some time for the editing and for the show to come on. And so I know it wasn't happening like last week when I'm watching the show, but I was like, I wonder if you almost shined a spotlight on this kind of like you were saying, no one wanted these houses and now yeah. they see your show and they're like, oh, I want that house. It's like yeah. you, you like created a market now that you have to compete in yourself. That's probably oh, a little yeah. frustrating sometimes. You're like, damn, <laughs> like that would have been 250 grand like two years ago. And now it's 600 grand, you know, or whatever. I, I imagine yep. you, you almost kind of made it more difficult for yourself in your area probably. a
1: little bit. Well, we, we have a little bit, but I, I always look at it and like, you know, I, always say that that just means another house is getting fixed right right the one thing that i always hope doesn't happen and we do see this sometimes is somebody goes in they either do it themselves or they hire a contractor that isn't aware of the fact that they can preserve the historic windows or they can save the chimney or and they start gutting the whole house and that just break that's when it breaks my heart um but otherwise i mean you know, the more the merrier. Everybody that restores a historic house is just part of this group of crazy people that have the passion to do it. And so we're here to help. We're here to provide services. You know, and and there'll always be some that are too bad for somebody else to take on, and we'll probably sign up for. it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it's really uh, for folks that haven't seen the show. You got to go on because uh, again, it. Sometimes it would be a lot of homes where I might see it and then think to myself, man, that would be great, but I have no idea, you know, where to even begin. And, uh, and I was explaining to you that I just moved back to the East coast from California and in California I lived in a historic district, which isn't quite the same as the historic districts where you are. Uh, you know, it's not where, not where our country was uh, founded, but you know, there were, there was only a few people that could, um, do the remodels for the homes in the area that I lived in because they mm-hmm. had to fit within these certain guidelines. And I thought it was fascinating. In one of the episodes you're working on a property and there's an inspector that has to come by to kind of <laughs> check off. And I, and I feel like of course, you know, he knows what he's doing, but I was like, you, you know what he's going to look for too. Cause you've done so many of these houses, right? It's like, yeah. you're, you're just right along with him and looking at the same, the same types of things. So it's right. very, uh, you've accumulated all this knowledge by doing it, which makes, makes it a little more seamless, I guess.
1: Well, that's, um, that's what we try to do, um, and sometimes, honestly, you're trying to get the inspector not to look at certain things. <laughs> right,
0: right, of course, right. Yeah. You're like, look over here, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. you're like, yeah, that's that's yeah. fine. We're gonna we're fixing that next week. Don't worry. Right, but it, it, you're really building up a level of trust with them where they know that you're gonna make their job easy. And to me, it's the same. It's the same thing with renovating the house for the current owners or a new potential owner. You want to make it an easy decision for them to feel comfortable. Right. And, and I always say, getting back to, you know, the beginnings of our conversation, part of the reason we became the general contractor, we're the design firm, everything is I worry incessantly about what's behind the wall more than the pretty stuff that you see. Cause I want the house to last. I want it to be good for the family and, and I want it to continue on for multiple generations.
0: Yeah. It's, um, It's really amazing. So I have a question for you as well around um, just the way that you kind of learned how to do this stuff. So I know that uh, I'd heard that your father was a carpenter. Is that correct?
1: That's correct. Yeah. Okay.
0: So were you like on job sites with him learning this stuff when you were younger? Like, were you interested in in, as a young kid or did you just kind of, were you doing other stuff? Were you doing kind of acting and some of the other stuff that you talked about that you're interested
1: in? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a great question because, well, I always say like, I worked with metal and my dad worked with wood because I, I became a mechanic.
0: Okay.
1: Um, and, uh, but from a very young age, I was following my dad's footsteps all the time. Now, and my dad was a silent generation guy. So, you know, um, all of his brothers and family, everybody was in world war, uh, two, you know, he was in the Korean war. Um, he didn't, he wasn't like a touchy feely kind of talk type of person. He right. was like, put a hammer in your hand and get over here and help me do this type of thing. Right. And, uh, you know, you can only ask a question just so many times, and he'd be like, you know, and uh, but you learn by watching and doing, and then I got fascinated because there was nothing he touched, that he would take anything apart and he'd fix it, right? Mm. Um, it, which is how I am too. If anything's ever broken, somebody's car breaks down, whatever, I'm like, oh, let me jump in the hood and like fix it for you. Right. Um, but it's the same thing with an old house, right? And he and my mom were both really interested in real estate all the time. And I, my sister and I spent every single summer going from Cape Cod up to the Northern Maine looking at antique houses and looking at farmhouses and looking at potential cottages. We finally bought a cottage in Southern Maine 40 years ago. Mm. And I spent every summer helping my dad put that cottage back together. Um, and it's just like this jigsaw puzzle right? Mm-hmm. And so I think the thing that interested me about it more than anything, it was a, was a way I could relate to my father um, and my mom and, and, and learn the stories. Mm-hmm. And every time we peel back a layer in a house, it's not so much about the house as it is about the story of the people that built it. And the house represents that story. And it's there's such a rich history when you start to understand how they put things together, what the techniques were and what the challenges were. And those are the things I, I learned from my dad and, and my mom. And, and and you learn this type of, you know, Yankee ingenuity and grit that we have in New England to just weather the storm, get through it, figure it out and put everything back together. And, you know, I think, um, you know, Jen had exposure to things like that, too, with her parents building their first home. and. And her grandmother being a really strong influence on her and, you know, trips that she used to take to Pennsylvania with her family and seeing how the Pennsylvania Dutch lived. And, and there was just kind of this old soul mentality where we were learning these stories and celebrating them in the area that we lived in, that it just made us feel all that much more connected to it.
0: Yeah, that's, I I think uh, what you just said, you know, really resonates with me. And I think it's, um. There's something there's like a certain patriotism that comes across in the show,
1: mm-hmm. you know.
0: It's hard to explain. I, I I would go back and forth and try to understand if I was feeling just at the time. Like I said, I was living in California. I was watching the show, but I was thinking a lot about the East Coast at the time. And so I was like, "There's something that's very uniquely East Coast about this." But then, really, greater than that, there's just like a patriotism and a pride to say. And I think you know, I had you had a quote that I um, that I wrote down here and basically it was about you said something like look at things with curiosity right yeah and then it will lead to a greater understanding and appreciation of things and Mm -hmm. so that makes sense with your father's background and your interest in kind of just mechanically how things work together but for even those of us that are not mechanically inclined like me who's uh had been given some jobs like re-roofing houses in Maine and um I think the line was that my chalk line was crookeder than a goat's ass, or something like that. It was what the, <laughs> the, the GC, uh, who is our neighbor, had, had told me. Um, yeah. So my dad was questioning wh- why he had my brother and I doing the roof of his house. But anyway, uh, yeah. you know, just kind of using that mentality when you're watching the show and watching how you're talking about the houses, and when you're getting really excited about going to speak to the local historian. I mean, I bet a lot of people watching the show didn't even realize there is a local historian right. who's in their town that they yep. could go talk to, that they could pull maps out and look at who the owners of these houses are. I mean, I, and yeah, and again, I know I'm, I'm kind of all over the place here, but I, I think, you know, there's something about being like this house is 300 years old these people were here here's why they were here here's what they were doing here here's why this is relevant there's still family members in this town that probably own homes in the area like just connecting the dots and going back as opposed to just driving by the house and being like oh it's just a house like whatever keep it moving you know um and even the little details that you find it seems like you have like a particular interest in uh like the little kind of like stove elements in the fireplace or like the little oh, yeah, bread, yeah. bread baking things. You seem yeah. to seem to yeah. like those, but just not just being like, Oh, that's some kind of relic, but being like, Hey, here, here's how they use that. And here's why it's important. And you know, I, well, the, the
1: interesting, interesting no, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, the, the interesting thing about say an element like that in particular, right. A bread oven in the stove or, or in the hearth in its time period that was technology, right? right. The, the, the bread oven moved to the typically the right side of the hearth. Every once in a while, you'll see them on the left when you're facing it, because it used to be in the center of the hearth way back, and people would get burned because the fire was cooking there trying to reach in to get the bread. So what they sense. said was, oh, let's innovate and let's move it outside and move it to the side of the chimney mass with its own flue and that's the solution to being able to make your bread put it in there cook all day not get burned but then you're making your bread there that's like you know say an early uh microwave oven in a way because it sits there and it cooks and then you can go out and do the rest of your work right right so the funny thing is about it like like you say say you're not mechanical right but i'm sure in some way in a different skill set you have a curiosity and a nature that makes you passionate about it. That's mechanics. It's, and it applies to anything, right? So the technology of the day, you just have to find what that technology or what that interest or what that curiosity is from any person and then relate it to what we do today. It's the same. There's nothing that's new. It's just the way that it's applied and the medium that we recognize it through. Everybody has a curiosity in a certain way. Everybody innovates. Every time period has its own technology. And I think the more that you say that message to people, the more it resonates. And then they drive by an old house, or they drive by a monument, or they dr- and they start to wonder and think and go, geez, I wonder what that was like. You know, the person that built this was just like I am and had just different struggles. And you know, went through things that maybe I understand, maybe I don't, or maybe I do. And if I learn about them now, I feel way more connected to this community than I ever thought I could. And I think that's the way, whether you want to call it patriotism or not, that you find value in your society, but that connection, I think that we all really want.
0: I. I totally agree and I feel like I'm saying that a lot but I do I totally agree <laughs> and I sometimes I need to write down different adjectives cuz I just want to I keep using the word like inspired or it's inspiring but but how you're describing things that you know most people throughout their life you know they've got jobs they've got kids they're doing a lot of stuff and and it's it's hard to find inspiration sometimes in the little things but you get that from from the way that you're just talking right now and looking at these nails and this nail factory was down the street yeah. and this is how they used to make nails and then you have a brick collection which they always bust your chops about oh, of course. like that's really interesting right that's like there are these the bricks like how we built homes and you have a collection yeah. of bricks right how is the collection how many bricks are you up to
1: up I, to I now I can't even tell you how many like the <laughs> and, and personally I've tried to make it my mission to everything I've been collecting over the years I'm trying to use it in a purposeful manner so that means the collection is getting smaller Okay. Um, but I have had several people mail me bricks, if you can believe it. Uh, and and I, I'm very thankful to everybody that's done that because the postage, I can't even imagine. Yeah, so, seriously. So thank you again. I don't know but if you get the
0: media rate on that one. Yeah. Uh, exactly. When you that. right. <laughs> but I, but again, that's really cool. The, the upcycling of the stuff, too. Like you're using this technology from back in the day, like yeah. again in a new manner. I think that's also cool, too. It's like you're not just throwing it in a trash heap. And even though we have a lot of modern things now, a lot of these things can be repurposed and used in homes, which I think is also cool. So that whole idea yeah. of like upcycling and giving it another life is really interesting.
1: Well, that's the thing. And, and, and you were asking a question earlier that I didn't fully answer, but I can the in the, in the way that Jen stages the house. Right. And a lot of that is through upcycling, right? So she's really taking a, a, a lot of time and care to find the furniture, the pieces, the accents that would fit for the design in the period of the house. And a lot of that we do like when we do the vanities and such, and we'll do amount of dressers or other items that you wouldn't necessarily suspect or things that we've um, upcycled, right? We both don't like making waste. We don't like making trash. Uh, we care a lot about our environment. So these are ways that we can get people interested in this stuff, but also use it in a new way. And then, as you mentioned, I'll, some of the pieces are actually built in custom and stay with the house or the rest of them are, end up being for sale um, and, and the people can buy the whole contents with it. Um, if not, we tend to find places that we'll use it in some of our own houses, or Jen might add a piece to her chair collection or something. Um,
0: <laughs> right. But, but
1: there's, there's so many interesting facets to all the little pieces, the furniture, the techniques, the artisans that put them all together, that when you stop for a minute and you look at a piece of furniture from a certain period, you realize the representation of that piece is that's an artisan. That was a tree. That was handmade. That's not something that, you know, no disrespect to a company like IKEA, but came in a box that got manufactured and shipped to you, you know, that you're going to end up throwing away because it's just made to be temporary. A lot of this stuff is made to be permanent and it has a story and an artistry to it that I think just relaxes you when it's put into a natural environment and when you understand what it is.
0: I think that um, you mentioned that you were in corporate jobs before this, and I am just curious. I think I know the answer here, but I can imagine that the level of fulfillment you get in your own life um, bringing these houses back to life must eclipse whatever you were doing in your previous life. Is that is that fair to say? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a very, oh, it's not a very open-ended question. I think I'm leading you there. So feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. But I do yeah. think it's fascinating when people are able to like tap into their passion and then, you you know, use their hands, use their bodies, their minds. And then, yeah. you know, kind of, I, I feel like that feels like it would, you know, whether it's a chef or an artist or something like that, where they're really using, uh, or musician, the entirety of their kind of being, I would imagine yeah. that's very rewarding personally for you.
1: It, it is extremely rewarding and, and I, I really appreciate it. And I'm really grateful for it every day um, because not everybody gets to do that. Um, and I think Jen and I have both been very fortunate in what we've tried to do, even though it's it's a ton of hard work. Um, I know for myself personally, I'm still good friends with my former boss. I used to work in, in commercial finance Okay. Um, and... When you say commercial finance, that's like instant lullaby. Most people will fall asleep right away. So I, I learned not to say that. Right. But the, um, the field that I worked in was actually pretty interesting. And I think my natural curiosity just made it interesting, right? Mm-hmm. The, um, I, I try to do that with anything I do. And I think Jen tries to as well. Um, I was fascinated by um, commercial finance as a mechanism to elevate and allow a business to thrive and the thing that really got me excited about the work is when i would get to go talk to a business owner or a factory or a manufacturer and i would say well what's your story you know how did you do this how did you get started and they'd start telling me the story and the fascinating thing for me is i would come back and it was my boss or the underwriting team and they'd say well tell us about the business tell us And and you just dive into this rabbit hole of the story of how this company was founded and what they need and what products they make and what service. And it ties in. So it's a common through line, believe it or not, to the same thing we like to do when it comes to restoring the houses, because we're getting into the story and we're relating that same story. So it's really that curiosity of the stories and the human experience that people build communities up around.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very well said. Um, and again, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I agree, which makes for compelling content. When I just, ex- I just <laughs> say I agree to everything that you say, no, but I really do. I think I think you're totally right, and I think uh, it's incredible just talking to you now. Like it comes across, you're just genuinely interested in, in um, you know, diving in diving into life. The house is really just the vehicle. It could be anything. It could be a house. Right. It could be a motorcycle that you're working on. It could be yep. your previous job in, in commercial finance. So yeah, uh, yeah, very yeah. very interesting. Um. Okay. I mean, I have all sorts of random stuff on here about how I heard that when there was the window shortage, you had to learn how to fix windows. And so you were yep. watched YouTube videos. How much of what you do are you're like, man, I've never seen that like pull up, pull up YouTube.
1: How much, oh my how much God.
0: YouTube learning are you doing?
1: All the time. I, really? <laughs> it was funny. Uh, Jen's son, Alex, as, as he was getting older, I think he was like 12 at the time he came to me and, and had a flat tire on his bike. And I said, I'm happy to help you fix it, Alex. But you know what you have that I never had when I was your age—YouTube. So why don't you go watch that first? I'll give you the tools. Try it, and then if you can't do it, I'll come help you. Right? And he's like, right. "Okay, right." Um, but much I think- easier to
0: bring it to the bike shop, but not as rewarding when you fix no. the, when you fix the tire. Right? No,
1: not at all. And uh, and I think you know, Jen and I are both self-starters. So one of the fun things about doing what we do is. We're always in situations where we have absolutely no idea what we're doing, right? Um, and 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 you just have to be ready for that, right? When we in season two, when we restored the antique carriage house, uh, which was a lot of fun, that was the one that we found the guns in. There mm-hmm. was this huge pulley and counterweight system up in the top, right? Yes. And of course, you know. The homeowner had suggested it. Jen was like, it'd be wicked cool if we could do a light. And I was like, oh, I'm way ahead of you. Like, yeah, it's, it's going to be a chandelier. And she's like, well, how are you going to do that? I'm like, don't even worry about it. Like, don't,
0: I've got and, it.
1: But in my, my head, I'm going, I know I can do this. I have absolutely no idea how I'm going to do it. And it comes as like this assemblage of ideas that are completely disconnected in my mind. And I'm like, I know I've done X and X and X. Now I have to find a way to put them all together. And now you can't really YouTube that. You can't, there's no instruction book. Right. But I did say, you know, I did this, I made this uh, undersea home when I was in sixth grade. And and I had, I don't know if you remember Capsella, but it's like, you know, the erector sets of the day. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. And it had all these little plastic capsules. Mm-hmm. And I made a little crane thing with an elevator that would bring the people up from the undersea home. Right. And it worked so well, it would have a little stop at the end and, and it would stop the basket and the guy would go like rocketing out of the top.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: so, so I said to Jen one night, I'm like, all I have to do is figure out how to make a really big version of that that works slowly right. on a switch. And, and doesn't okay, rock at
0: the chandelier out of the roof of the barn. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: exactly. Wow that that project, by the way. I mean, there's a lot of um, interesting stuff diving into the episodes. There's every home has something unique, but that one particularly stood out because I was like, "That's a pretty big choice, right?" For the yeah. for the homeowner, I was like, "That's yep. a huge. It was a huge chandelier coming down." Yeah from was it a carriage house is that what you said that's, uh, that's right yeah right Where the horses used to come in right and so it had this yeah. big trap door and it would come yeah. down i mean talk about a statement piece i yeah. imagine so when you're explaining i think in that episode you're actually talking to her about your vision yeah. and it was hard to read if she was like really into it at the time yeah. i was like uh, uh, she seemed a little bit like uh, i guess but <laughs> were you did you get a stronger confirmation that she was ready for that because it was definitely a, a a big choice, um, yeah. which would be awesome to have, like, I would love to have something like that, but oh, not everybody, okay. you know, is up for that.
1: Um, well, the funny thing was, um, so Susan lived right next door and, and we're always trying to keep the clients away from the project. So they can't see it. Right. And she is, she, I, I love her to death. She reminds me of my own mom. She's absolutely hilarious. And the way that she, works and thinks and does stuff um and she's like well i know i'm a pain in the ass so don't worry about it. and uh <laughs> so jen actually ended up having a lot of fun designing the kitchen and came up with all these neat little elements and such and then what susan kept saying was can i have a light or something that lowers down through that and i'm like i don't know wow. i have no idea maybe and she's right. like when are you going to tell me i said i'm not she's like no you have to tell me what you're gonna do i'm like i'm not gonna susan and you can't come in and you have to stay out she's like wow
0: <laughs> so was that her real re- was that the first time she had seen it like when they well, when you're where well, i mean maybe right around yeah that time. It, it,
1: it was the funny thing is so i think they did two takes on that okay and the first time and i wish they left this in because it was funny she got like a little kid And and her legs scrunched up in her chair, and she just went sick. (laughs) Like (laughs) and her daughter turned to her and said, "Mom, did you just say sick?"
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. That was her genuine reaction. I mean, that is sick.
1: This huge thing comes down to the ceiling.
0: It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she
1: was so excited. And then I gave her the remote controls, and I'm like, "Wait a minute, open the doors." And she's like, and the doors just slowly open. She's like, "That's." awesome i'm like well i'm glad you like it
0: (laughs) yeah that was tremendous that was tremendous i also as i'm thinking about that house um i'm thinking that that i think that's one where you guys were like there was a story about there being like robbers yes something like that and so you uh you and rich were in the yard pretending to be like running away (laughs) from stuff and so those vignettes. i know you mentioned you did improv and and you like to have fun with that and you're always the one being put in like this situation where you're of course um I don't know, like the welder or, or like doing whatever the activity is, but are those your idea? I mean, I'm sure you, maybe you're bouncing it off production, but are those your ideas um, or just, or is that just, or do they just choose you because you're the willing participant? Uh, yeah.
1: All I, I think I'm the willing glutton for punishment. I, okay, I said early on when we started filming, um, you know, the, our showrunner had said to me, "Well, we want to do these little animations and such. Would you be okay with that?" I said, "Yeah, as long as it's like Terry Gilliam style, you know, uh, Monty Python-esque, I'm game." Right. Uh, and she's like, "Would you do voiceovers?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'll do. I'll, I'll do any voiceover you want." And uh, so I think they like to have a lot of fun because they know I'm I'm kind of a willing. Uh, I'm I'll do a pratfall fall for anybody, like whatever's going to put a laugh on somebody's face. Right. So then what they'll do a lot of times and go, "Okay." Here's what I want you to do. And and they'll give give me like a little script or something and they'll show the description and I'm like you really want me to like take a digger like, uh, and like yeah, they're like, Yeah, just just look like a bumbling idiot and just make and I'm like, all right, all right. I'm like, I'll put something together and it'll we'll work. It
0: it works. It's a nice way to like, you know, break up the the show. It's not, you know, my father used to watch this old house and that was great too. And that's that's yep. a great show. I love that. But yeah, it's cool. Too. I like those little vignettes, like even the black and white stuff, you know, the different ways they mix up, it makes the, it just kind of brings it, ties it all together. And I feel like I did a little improv back in the day as well, but yeah. it, there's a lot of like, yes. And I feel like you're just willing to kind of, roll oh, yeah. with, it with whoever you're, whoever you're with. So
1: that, well, I that, think that it, stuff that comes it makes it fun for everybody because, I, you know, it makes it fun for the production guys, the, you know, hopefully Rich and Jen and everything because they can look at me and they can like laugh at me and then it makes right. them relax. Right,
0: right, right. Um, Lightens and, it up a little bit.
1: Uh, yeah, exactly. Yep.
0: Okay, I've got a couple of questions I have to let you go. You've been yeah. really appreciate you spending your time with us. Okay, um, this one was from my wife, but she wanted to know who would Rich say is a more difficult supervisor, you or Jen?
1: Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, so we always say rich treats us like you know the divorced child like he'll try to he'll call jen to try to get an answer he'll call me to try to get an answer and then he like makes his phone calls like everybody um i maybe jen because jen comes up with like some of the real difficult finish ideas that she wants him to install yeah um but it, it, all, it all depends on what part of the project we're in right there have
0: been a couple episodes I now that i think about it where you and rich have been uh talking to jen and being like you want us to do what like yeah, like, yeah. really we're gonna try yeah. to do that so okay that that makes well sense. And
1: jen jen has her favorite saying she's like yeah just do it like this and just bang it out and rich yeah. is like
0: yeah yeah just, <laughs> just bang, bang it out, out. <laughs> okay whatever <laughs> so it's fun well, that's pretty funny um Okay. And then the second one, uh, just for fans of the show is, um, will we, can we expect to see, uh, another houses with history, uh, season or, uh, are there any other plans? I know I heard that you had a plan to, um, work on a book that people might be able to yep. purchase that talks a little bit about some of the questions we've been asking about restoring homes, but I guess yeah. what else can we expect from the full circle team here
1: coming up? Yeah. The, um, so we're still in discussions with the network um, to see whether or not a season three may be in the cards. So that's, you know, everybody can wait and see, they can follow us online. We try to provide as many updates as possible. Okay. Um, we're also planning to do some more in depth filming on some of our own personal projects that we have coming up which would be nice because it allows us to capture a little bit more of the details and, and really kind of show people some of that in-depth um, footage that we don't really have time for on TV. And hopefully we'll be able to show that either on YouTube or more of a long-term, uh, long-form format. Okay. Um, then we also, we have our store, Mayflower Mercantile, which is located in our hometown of Plimpton. Um, we're open year-round there. Every weekend, we get a lot of people come from all over the country, um, which is just very satisfying for us. Um, We do online orders there as well, um, so people can get goods all over the world. Um, We do our vintage fair on our historic farm property that was featured in Season 1, Episode uh, Mm 6, the 1707 house. Um, And that's great. We get a lot of vintage vendors, music, food, everybody gets to gather on the hayfields, and it's just a real nice personal experience. Yeah, Um, And then we're going to keep doing more of the events that we do at some of our houses, like uh, the house in Sandwich that we restored for season two, the Deacon Eldred House. We're doing an open house as part of Sandwich Fest there this weekend. Um, Tickets go to help the restoration and maintenance of the house, um, and we open it up, let people come through, enjoy it, and it just becomes a nice kind of social event for the town um but i saw uh, that
0: I, you're only a few hours from new york so yeah. i you know i do have the little kids and the dog but i feel like we're gonna have to make it up either to that or to the uh the mercantile days um yeah. what's that what yeah the name um, of the it's mayflower, market, mayflower Day. market days pardon yep. me yes yep. coming up and yep. that's coming up uh what is October October 21st 22nd. twenty
1: first and twenty second. I yep. got it. Okay. Yep.
0: Uh rescheduled due to weather when we had like the monsoons here. That's correct. Yes. Got we it. We didn't okay. want
1: anybody blowing away, so we uh rescheduled it for October.
0: Got it. Good choice. Good choice. Yeah, um, exactly. and so for folks, they can find you at full circle homes. They can find you on yep. social, on Instagram is where, yep. um, I've started following you both. You can kind of tune into Mike's page or Jen's page, yep. uh, the full circle page. Um, and as you said, you can do some shopping online as well. So you, you can, you can find them and, uh, always posting interesting stuff. So, yeah. uh, well, I, again, I have 50 other questions that I could ask, but I really appreciate your time. And I think, Again, I, I kind of um, in my intro maybe gave it away, but when I was thinking about it, why your show and why you and Jen have been kind of crawling around my brain, it really is that the passion you have that you live translates and it's it makes it just makes it um, makes it something that's very memorable and it makes it something that I, I'm speaking for a lot of people here, but that you know we can connect to and uh, gives us a slightly different perspective on our own daily lives. So I want to thank you for your passion and your commitment.
1: And so uh,
0: you. I will be following along with the rest of your adventures. And uh, like I said, maybe I'll get a chance to to get up and meet you in person one day. But yeah, really anytime
1: would be a lot of fun. And um, uh, wish you all the success as well. And, and I'm just glad that you know what we've been doing resonates so well with so many people. And I'm very grateful for it.
0: Awesome. All right. Thanks a lot, Mike. Really appreciate your time.
1: All right. Thank you.